Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New Zealand, my guest is a multi-instrumentalist who performs under the name Proteins of Magic. She is a multi-format artist who just over a year ago released her debut album, with three of the songs landing on New Zealand alternative radio charts. Recently, she played bass and toured across Europe and America with Grammy and Academy Award winner Ryan Bingham, which included performances on Jay Leno and Good Morning America. The official music video for one of the songs from her album last year has over 275,000 views on her YouTube channel, and she has received extensive press coverage. You've been hearing a song of hers called Tejana. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Kelly Sherrod. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for figuring out the time difference to get this done. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. I'm glad it. For as far away as New Zealand is, it's not too bad. Indeed, (laughs) indeed. Eight hours behind you, yeah. Let's start off first by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing during the intro called Tehana. Yeah, Tehana uh, was one of the first songs that I wrote for my album I released last year. Um, It actually started off um, with a very punk rock fast vibe. And um, we worked and worked on it in the studio with my partner, Matthew Sherrard. And... um, it ended up um, becoming this um, sort of beautiful, slow, languid song that that, that uh, was what was going to do it justice the most. And so that's what we went with. And uh, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Okay, help me through this because I'm sensing, and I think I'm going to be wrong on this, <laughs> but when I hear punk, I don't think of punk and slow. So did this song undergo some kind of radical change from when you first conceived it to what it finished out as? The lyrics were pretty much the same. They changed a little bit, but yeah, it was um, uh, it was fast and hard and heavy. Um, and I was um, uh, whacking away on it on the on the bass guitar. Yeah. But how does a change like that come to be? <laughs> Did Matt bring it up? Were you at peace with it? Is it something that took a while to kind of not it took butt a heads long with? Time. <laughs> The song had uh, many different versions, um, and yeah, it was the genius of Matt that brought it um, into to where it is now. And I think, um, yeah, I think it just really makes it sing. And the the most important part of the song um, is uh, the emotion behind it, and and the production is um, what brings that to the forefront. And yeah, but this is interesting to hear because, as we know songwriters are going to get very attached to whatever they create. And when you bring it to someone 
And in this case, obviously, folks, you're hearing Matt Sherrod, Kelly Sherrod G. They happen to have the <laughs> same last name. And and yes, by the way, folks, that is the same Matt Sherrod, the drummer for Crowded House, who was the guest on the show way, way back on episode 104. But Kelly, when you're bringing a song to someone, whether it's Matt or whether it's someone that you're not connected to, not related to, and they all of a sudden want to change it, it becomes very personal. So just walk us through that psychological, that emotional process, because for all intents and purposes, the producer should always have in heart, in mind, what is best for the song. That still doesn't mean it's easy for the songwriter to release that and say, yes, this should go somewhere else. I think this is where trust comes in um, because I, you know, it is the longer you work on something, sometimes you can lose subjectivity Mm. and Matthew has this um, uncanny ability to kind of never lose that and just search and search and search until uh, the, 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 the sound and, and is, is, is right. The production is exactly where it needs to be for the song. And, and I, I trust, I trust Matt and, and we, we are connected on many different levels and um, it's always worked out in my favor to to uh, trust in the process. And so, yeah, we do we do kind of collaborate in that way, um, where you know I'm not telling telling him what to do all the time. We kind of go away and work on things, then come together, then go away and come together, and then um, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of how it works. Yeah, I like that description because what you're basically saying is. I'm holding this really close to the vest, but if I'm going to let go of it and release it and hand it over to you to change it, it's going to be because of that, because of that trust factor. So I'm glad that you walked us through that. That song, by the way, folks, is from Kelly's album that I mentioned in the intro came out last year. It might seem a little kind of like old news for me to be asking someone to talk about an album that came out 13 months ago, but wow, when you land three of the songs on alternative radio charts, and you have a music video for one of the songs, get more than 275,000 views on YouTube. I think we have to get Kelly to talk (laughs) about that project, not to mention, Kelly, that having been your debut release, which I'm sure brought a lot of excitement. Yeah, it did. And um, it's great to be talking about it again, actually, because the promo was definitely cut short because of COVID. Mm. I um, was getting really good momentum here um, uh, uh, leading up to the release, and I had a tour books um and uh yeah everything was put on pause because there was a pretty intense lockdown here in New Zealand um so yeah it's nice to to revisit it and, and talk about it again so there was eight songs on it was that a case of having had I'm just going to pick a random number 48 songs and you picked the eight best or was it no I just wrote and wrote and said uh I've got eight this is good let's record uh, this the, the the first album has, has came about a different way to how my the next album I'm working on is coming about. Um, I think a lot of it, um, you know, I, I was working on some of these songs for years. Um, it was sort of my first foray into the doing something solo, and um, uh, I didn't have heaps and heaps of songs. It, it, it was sort of a, a limited number that I just kind of, we worked on um, furiously probably for about three years. Mm. Um, 
uh, to, to come up with this this EP. But what is that journey like? Because there has to be a point in time where you start putting so much pressure on yourself to say, I got to get something out. I got to get something out. And you do have to, as the saying goes, you do have to trust the timeline. You do have to trust the calendar. Yeah, yeah I think it all happened really naturally because um, I like I like to think of like as a human, you know, you're blooming all the time. Um, but for me, I am a little bit of a late bloomer. And I think it just took that time to, yes, I had the songs, but working on them and then incorporating, just figuring out how to play live. And then as soon as that sort of started rolling and I got my confidence, um, it all just sort of organically happened where I was like, okay, you know, we're getting closer and closer to finishing this album. And then the album was pretty much done and uh, New Zealand was open um, everywhere, everywhere else was, you know, everyone else was struggling with COVID. And so it was just the perfect time for me to come to New Zealand and release my album. Mm. And, um, get, and so it was all just ended up happening quite fast and organically. But um, although it was slow to begin with, I kind of needed that time to get my stuff together. Go back to something that you said in there, though, because I need you to clarify for me. When you were talking about performing live, were you saying that there was a mind to performing these songs live as they were being written and recorded, or am I misunderstanding you? No, I just think that from I just the way that I think about um, music or the way that I approach it is just that the live performance is just so important to me, and it needs to um, really. Uh, be delivered in a way where you can really connect with the audience mm. and they can feel the music. And, you know, it took me a second to be able to, to to get there and feel confident. And, you know, I'm very vulnerable up on stage. It's just me um, and feeling, com- you know, comfortable in that. And I'm delivering the songs and making the music, um, you know, in a, in a way where where people can receive it in the way that I want it to be received. <laughs> Well, and there's a lot of moving parts here because not only what you just described, but also COVID, its presence or its lack thereof. And then also the thinking, the excitement, this is going to be my debut release. And a lot of people, a lot of artists would be so excited that they'd want to rush it just to get it out to say, yay, I finally have my debut release out. So I think what we're hearing is there really were a lot of different moving parts that you really had to kind of be patient with. and. Follow the lead of someone like Matt. Follow the lead of what is best for the project. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And also, um, as you can hear on the album, some of the songs, um, there's quite a bit of instrumentation going on. So um, just figuring out, you know, with my loops and triggering samples um, to how to play that live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tempted to tell the audience, even if you're not in the music business, Yet, I definitely want those of you who are in the music business to do this little exercise also. But for those who are devoted music fans, listen to the quality of the recordings that come across whatever speaker you listen through. There's a service that I preview music through that I can hear bad audio a mile away just in the first few seconds of a song. And it's that quickly that I get a bad first impression and want to hit the skip button 
and advance to the next track. Good quality audio is crucial. Yes. That is why I use, that is why I talk about, that is why I recommend Focusrite, who I'm grateful to for sponsoring Now Hear This Entertainment. Their scarlet range of audio interfaces are widely, widely known and used by countless musicians, not to mention that you've heard me say in the past that that's what I was using until they recently developed an audio interface specifically for podcasters. The Scarlet range of audio interfaces will deliver you studio-quality sound without having to leave your home. That said, these are portable units that are also basically plug-and-play, meaning there's not a huge learning curve to getting up and running with teaching yourself how to use it. Find out which audio interface in the Scarlet range is best for the recording that you're doing by starting at my show website, nhte.net, and tap or click on the ad for the Vocaster, It says, tell the world, and that will land you over on the Focusrite website. That ad, by the way, is in the right-hand column of nhte.net if you're on desktop or if you're on mobile, scroll way down to just below the social media icons. With all that you put into your career, why jeopardize the end result by having substandard recordings? Get yourself a Scarlet from Focusrite for crystal clear audio. Kelly, while we're on the subject of your music, having just heard about the album you put out last year. Share with us about your creative process. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, when, <laughs> it's always, it can be a complicated thing to answer, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a morning person. Um, there's definitely a time in the morning where I have a lot of energy. I've had my coffee um, and that's, that's usually a, a good time for me to work on my, my visual art or visual pieces that go with my music. I love that time to do that. Um, as far as writing songs, um, that's definitely a bit more random. Um, I, you know, if I get, if I get that feeling, that inspiration that just kind of comes to me, um, I will go to the piano or at the moment I've been uh, writing a lot on the bass. Um, and, um, yeah, just sort of let it come out of me and, um, try my best to actually get most of the song done while that's happening, because I've found in the past, if you don't do it, or if I don't do it straight away and, and, um, kind of get through the struggles of, oh, what, what should I maybe say there or what should go there or what should happen there? Um, it's even harder, um, leaving it for down the track. So I actually try and um, get like most of a song done as soon as that inspiration comes. Um, but yeah, it is it is it is random and it, and it does feel um, sort of spiritual when it when it happens. And um, I I feel I feel very very lucky to be able to experience that. Yeah, the word that you used with me in the lead up to our conversation today was that it's very visceral. Right. Yes that as well it's um i do rely on uh inward uh feelings um and emotions um yeah and and i think that's um probably obvious in the in the live performance as well well and i think that when someone is introduced the way i introduced you as a multi-format artist i think you kind of as a listener are a little more discerning with the ear and obviously your music does stand out as being unique and it does lend itself to, yeah, I can see exactly what she said, very visceral, partly led by 
what feels like an outside spiritual force. So you do really kind of feel this is a very creative artist. And it's not to take anything away from people who are writing mainstream pop music. I think it just really brings a different aura about the whole process and the whole finished product. Right, right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting how each artist is different and you can only do what comes natural. (laughs) In the lead-up to today, you told me that you were, quote, very inspired to write Living in the Woods in Nashville, end quote. Can you elaborate on that for us? I do love the environment out there. Um, We are in a wooded area on um, about 30 acres, Um, and I guess you'd call it rural, though we're about half an hour from uh, Nashville City Centre. But there is this really interesting dichotomy for me that I experience in Nashville um, compared to New Zealand. Um, In Nashville, you sort of, um, there's this thing where I get great peace and I feel protection being in the woods. But then also, you know, you can go walk down your track and you have to keep your eye out for a rattlesnake or poison ivy. Um, You know, there's real danger out there. Whereas in New Zealand, um, there's nothing to worry about other than mosquitoes. Um, And so there is something about that kind of feeling, that dichotomy in Nashville, where it does feel like a knife's edge. And um, maybe, you know, it's, it's very thrilling to me. And um, I do find it very inspiring, and, and, I, and I like living in that environment. Yeah, in fact, I had the pleasure of visiting, Matt calls it, Boneyard Recordings studio that he opened oh. several years ago. And oh. it is really an area where you can't help but feel that a creative, that a songwriter is truly going to be inspired. It's a place that you can yeah. clear your head and allow ideas to flow in that are going to be very natural just based on the environment. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, and you feel like you're given that space uh, physically and mentally to do that. And folks, on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, I'm going to put a link to the interview that I did with Matt Sherrod back on episode 104. And when you go to that page, you'll see that there is a link at the bottom of that page to boneyardrecordings.com, which is for the studio that Kelly and I are talking about. Kelly, you're actually currently on a national tour. Talk about who you're out with as well as the venues where these shows are taking place. So I am the support act for a New Zealand band called Dimmer, and Dimmer is led by uh, an amazing, incredible musician, uh, Shane Carter, and he's been a mainstay on the New Zealand music scene for a long time. Uh, he was in two other bands, uh, The Double Happies and and Straight Jacket Fits. He's actually been in many different ones, but but these are sort of the the, the main the main ones. Um, and um, and yeah, they're touring. Uh, uh, they're performing uh, one of his records. Uh, I believe you are a star. Uh, and they're playing the album from start to finish. Uh, and um, I, I come on at the encore to play the bass because I actually used to play bass for Dimmer back in the ah. day. And, um, uh, yeah, we're playing amazing venues. It's a it's an awesome opportunity for me to play in front of a bunch of people. Uh, a couple of days ago we played in the Christchurch Art Gallery, which is this uh, massive, massive uh space beautiful modern space um 
And uh, coming up here, we're playing three nights at the Hollywood Theatre in Auckland City. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it's awesome to be able to play music in, in these uh, great spaces and, and just an alternative to, to playing in bars. Bars are cool too, and it's good to get the experience playing in these big spaces. You hinted at this a little bit before, but I don't want to leave it at the just a little bit that you touched on it briefly. So while we are talking about you performing live, since I did introduce you as a multi-instrumentalist, share with the audience about what all they would see at a live Proteins of Magic performance. Um, so um, some songs are pretty stripped down. I'll have my, uh, I have a lot of new songs in my sets. So I'm still working them out, but I'll have my bass and then I'll loop my bass a little bit, just gently, and then have some um, vocal uh, rhythmic loops and then I'll sing and then um Oh, I will b- build the loop at the end so it's pretty lush with my flute, my vocals, and then I'll also loop in my um, some keyboard sounds as well. Um, I'm saying the word loop a lot, um, but I hope um, my goal is with the performance that the focus isn't really on the looping or the trickery of it. It's just to literally just build that wall of sound and feeling so people can experience the emotion of it all. Well, and even so, you're in real good company because Ed Sheeran uses the loop quite a bit in his live show. And I think that you forget after a while that he's employed that once he gets it built. So it's it's a really nice tool to have in your arsenal there. And and once you do get it all built, I think the attention does really go to the heart of the song and and not so much the fact that the artist is using that. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And, And yeah, being able to um, use the looper does 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 make you kind of nimble as a you know solo musician out touring you know it allows you it allows you to just be the one person I like it I like it I'm joined today on the now here this entertainment guest line from New Zealand by multi-instrumentalist Kelly Sherrod who performs under the name proteins of magic visit her official website at proteinsofmagic.com I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. When you land there and enter the site, you will see icons for Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow her on both of those. But then be sure to tap or click into the video section too, and from there you'll be able to go over to her official YouTube channel. You heard Kelly talking about the album she put out last year. You can follow her on Spotify, but the better way to support her is by purchasing downloads of Proteins of Magic releases from Apple Music and other online digital retailers. And if you are listening to this in New Zealand, do look and see for the live dates for the tour that she is currently the support act on. I have to mention, because I'm still so impressed by this, and you will be too if you're a podcaster, a gamer, a musician, or heck, even an audio engineer, go to my show website, nhte.net, and in the right-hand column on desktop, or by scrolling way down on mobile, Look for the block of social media icons and click or tap over to my YouTube channel where you'll see an unboxing video that I made for the replacement ear pads sent to me by Deconi Audio. These folks have something I've been talking about on the podcast lately because I've just gotten so excited about it. In the video, you'll see me showing how the pleather was peeling off my headphones and instead of having to get new headphones, I was able to just replace the ear pads And in the process, they also became so much more comfortable 
which is huge for when you're in long gaming sessions or recording or editing sessions. And heck, I've even been wearing these now on airplanes to watch movies because they're so comfortable and they do such a great job of blocking out noise around me. Tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo on nhte.net to go see about replacement pads specific to the brand and model headphones you have or just use the link that I have in the description of the unboxing video on YouTube. Kelly, before all that, you were talking about the different instruments you play, but as you mentioned earlier, you are also a visual artist. The artwork for the cover for last year's album is so cool. Talk about all that you do as a visual artist. Uh, Thank you. That was shot by um, Rory White, who is uh, based in Nashville, and he's actually just made my most recent music video Mm. um uh but yeah it is something that it just goes hand in hand for me um you know if I'm releasing music or if I'm just uh making a, a show poster to me it's just such an important element that uh you know in the presentation of my music um, and so I can't, it's, it's just sort of like an obsession really that, um, where there is music, there needs to be a visual element that, that I'm proud of and that I've made. Well, that's, help me. it's never a bad thing when what happens to me happens to someone who wanders onto the website of an artist that they're just learning about, which was that I saw all these tremendous visuals and I got caught up and ended up spending so much time on Kelly's website because it is all so appealing and it draws your eye and you really get drawn into looking at all of it and, and as you say, kind of complimenting and bringing another layer, no visual artist pun intended, to the music. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it helps um, tell the story, you know, and, 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 um, and what you're trying to trying to get across or emote. But it makes me think of the chicken and egg question. Does a song get written and it inspires a piece of visual art or is it the other way around? I usually write the, write the music first. But, you know, as, as, I, as I make visuals and make my music, they do become one and the same. Like they flow, they flow together. I, I will um, sometimes be working on a visual piece and there isn't any um, music to go with it, or it's just like a, a, po- a gig poster. But you listen to my music, and you can still see the connections. So it all. Um, it, it, I, I love. I love that about it because it's coming from me. You can. You can see how it connects to my music anyway, regardless if it was inspired by a specific song or not. Okay. At the end of the day, though, it is the music business. So is this just yeah. inspiration for you, or is this? Well, no. I actually turn these into merch that I sell at my shows, Bruce. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, that is, I am trying to, to I, I have uh, started to turn them into merch that I'm selling at my shows. Um, I've made, a, I've hand cut this um, pretty elaborate stencil um, of a, a skeleton angel holding a baby lamb um, and that um, is tied to my music, that imagery and that symbolism. Um and I have been selling that at shows. <laughs> and is it to the point yet where there's one or two pieces on stage with you while you're performing or no? Oh, um, so yeah, sorry. So yeah, I have been, I have made visuals for my set and my, my tour that's coming up after the Dimmer shows, my own solo tour 
I will be um, projecting my my live visuals. Ah, while I, I like yeah. that. I like that. And what details can you share about that tour? Um, it's my first New Zealand solo tour, so I'm really excited about it. And it's really cool to have been to some of these cities already with the Dimmer band, so I can let them know about it. And uh, and I spread spread my music, <laughs> show my art, show my stuff to these people. Yeah, um, it's um, pretty special as well. Just uh, post pandemic, being able to travel around here finally and and um, and play my music. And when will that Proteins of Magic tour take place? It starts September thirtieth. In, in Wellington, which is about an eight-hour drive from Auckland, where I am now. Okay. Um, yeah. Can you share with the audience about having taken vocal lessons and what that has done for you? Yeah. Um, just when I was getting started figuring out my live thing, um, I had the thought to try out some vocal lessons just to help with my pitch, and I do layer harmonies with my loop pedal, so it was only going to be beneficial, I thought, but I um, back then, this is about um, two, two and a half years ago, a little bit more, um, I did sing with a very, very sort of uh, sweet, more slight voice. And um, when I started the vocal lessons, I said to my teacher, I'm just curious, you know, I'm pretty happy with how my voice sounds and the tone. It's not going to change at all. And she said, oh, no, I'll just give you more tools in your toolbox and um, after about just like two or three weeks of pretty intensive practicing the um, lessons that she gave me, my voice really changed. Mm. And in the best way possible, it just sort of has this strength and confidence and way, way bigger range on the high end and the low end than I ever had. And um, these lessons that I've had with her have been priceless, yeah, and building uh, life performance, confidence, and the strength in my voice. I can't recommend vocal lessons enough. Mm. Well, you mentioned that you took vocal lessons from her in Nashville, yet you actually split your time between there and New Zealand. Clearly, you feel that the benefits outweigh the challenges of such a huge geographical divide. What does yeah. splitting your time between the two locations enable you to do, and how do you manage it? How often do you, quote-unquote, go back and forth, those types of things? Mm -hmm. Um. It's, it's beneficial in the sense that I can um, just sort of spend a good amount of time here in New Zealand and it sounds so clinical, but I guess I'm you're building a, a market. <laughs> but um, I, you know, in my heart, I, I, I want to be here and I want to show my music and it, and it is a smaller country, so it's easier to get around. It's more cost effective mm. and um, great, great place to build your profile and, yeah, right. Right now, I'm here for um, as it stands now, uh, two months, um, but that could become a little bit longer. I have some other things in the works, um, and then then I'll go back and kind of um, get get started and get going in Nashville again. I've only just really, in the past few months, been out playing live in in Nashville, so just sort of getting started there. Well, and I'm also assuming, which is never a good word to use, I'm assuming that because you're from New Zealand originally, I'm assuming that you must have family back there. And so there's also personal reasons why you like to go back there. Yeah, yeah. I, I get to stay with my mom when I come back and I have two older brothers. Not a huge family, but, 
but um, yeah, I, I, I do love coming back to see them and also um, my friends, yeah. But am I correct that you're also a mom, and so that would mean that you're a long-distance mom other than obviously when you are back in Nashville? I am, and it's the hardest thing in the world, you know, and, and um, my son is just about eight, um, and he doesn't love the telephone. He doesn't love Skype. Mm. Um, tell him, um, mom's going out to slay a dragon. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that helps him understand he has an incredible relationship with his dad and, and, um, and, uh, this is sort of, it's difficult, but this is the lifestyle that we've chosen and, um, we try and make it work. You're going out to slay the dragon that is the music business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in your performing as a solo artist, yet not under your first and last name. What went into making that decision, and how did you come up with Proteins of Magic as the artist name? Um, so um, it sort of started, I think we had started recording a couple of songs on the album. I went to a barbecue in Nashville, and um, there I met Matthew's friend Juan Alderetti, who plays bass in or played bass in the Mars Volta. And actually, he was playing with Marilyn Manson for a while. Um, and we got to talking, and um, he's a very lovely, straight up and down guy. It was very normal conversation. And then, just sort of out of the blue, he said and the proteins of magic. And um, it was like he sort of gifted it to me. And, and we weren't having that kind of conversation at all. It just sort of like he gifted those words to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I took them and, and I decided to make it my band name. And um, and yeah, it is partly, uh, um, you know, a salute to him as well because he's been going through a really rough time after a hard, um, really difficult uh, accident. And um, he's um, learning to live his best life again. But was it a case of where you had already told yourself, I'm not going to perform under my first and last name, and you were just searching for an artist name to perform under, or did that just kind of present itself and you thought, wow, what a terrific name that would make for me as an artist? Yeah, I think, yeah, the latter, what you just said. Um, I think it of like not using your own name sort of affords you... Um, a little more latitude with what you can can do, or, or maybe it's that's just an illusion. But um, I, I feel like it it suits the project better than my name. Hmm. I want to back up to the New Zealand aspect of all of this because there's something else that I feel is a benefit that we don't have in the United States, which is you have been successful at getting various grants through, and you can do a better job than me, I'm just going to say the New Zealand government, but maybe it's state and not federal. But what has been the key to getting the various grants that you have received? Um, Because I'm sure it's competitive like anywhere else. Yeah, um, it is um, amazing that New Zealand does that. And there is the, the, um, yeah, they have the infrastructure set up so new even new artists like myself can apply for grants and be successful um it's really cool because i believe in their process where you have good music it doesn't matter how well known you are if they if you have good music you're gonna 
it's, it seems like work for me anyway. You 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 get a grant and you get some help, um, and that's really really awesome. And it's afforded me, you know, to have really decent show reels, um, which are important, especially when you're applying for things and being so far away, um, and during COVID. And um, recently, yeah, I got a an awesome grant to make a single and a video and marketing. Um, so yeah, it's a really special thing that they have. They support the arts, the government government supports the arts and and um yeah it's it's really it's really great yeah and i know off the top of my head that canada has similar grants available and i would say that for american artists <laughs> it's probably something to be quite envious of that you hear kelly of of what's available through new zealand and not here in the united states that i know of unless i'm way off and it's to your benefit that you are splitting your time the way you are between nashville and new zealand and of course that you're from there originally which i'm sure is probably an absolute requirement for anyone that's trying to apply for that citizenship i'm talking about yes yeah um i will say though like uh in america you know I think there is some funding available uh, in Nashville. I haven't looked into it enough, but it is hard. But I think with it being so hard, um, you you can maybe be pushed, you push yourself harder to be, you know, even better. And so I think that's why so many great artists come out of America because, mm. um, you know, you, you are up against it for sure. And so you have to make sure your stuff is tight. <laughs> We talked at the beginning of this interview about the album you released last year, and now, lo and behold, you're working on your next release. What are you at liberty to disclose about that project at this point in time? Meaning, is that going to be an album? Is it going to be an EP? How many songs might there be? Is there a possible release date? And presumably, Matt is producing it. Any of those types of details? Um, yeah, Matt is producing it, um, and I have all of the songs we actually tried to start recording it, but, um, you know, as it goes, it, it just things weren't where they needed to be. We've spent a lot of time on it already, but we're, yeah, we're kind of almost kind of starting from scratch a little bit with it, but, um, but I actually hope to release it early next year. It, it'll be an EP. Early next year. So that gives you, I'm going to say three months to get things finished up four months, uh, obviously yeah. you're going to get through so, the holidays. But say, Yeah, when I say early next year, we're probably talking May. Oh, <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Yeah. But does that lend itself to, and then I'm going to do a whole nother tour because I assume that the one that you're on now, you're not playing any of the new stuff yet? Uh, or I when am... I say the one you're on now, I mean the one you're about to play starting September 30th. Yeah, I am playing new music, and that, ah. that's actually... Yeah, it's mostly new music, my set, um, because I guess I've played all the other songs so much live, I'm ready to, you know, to perform new new stuff. Um, and that's kind of just helpful with um, crafting them and honing, honing those songs in lyrically as well. Well, and I think that also gives you an advantage, though, because since they haven't been recorded yet, unless you're going to tell me, no, some of them have been, it gives you an opportunity to work them out live, see how they feel live, how they're going over, and then go in yeah. maybe with a little different attitude into the studio when it's time to record them and say, I think I'm actually going to make a little change on this song or this one here, yeah. I'm going to make a big change or both. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think definitely with the vocal takes, 
they're going to be way easier for us because I'll be so practiced up. Yeah. So it, it is, it's cool because it's a totally different approach to how I, we recorded the, my first album. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I feel, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like, um, the vision, the vision is clear. And just to do a little housekeeping here, I promised folks that I will put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to the interview I had done with Matt Sherrod. I'm also going to put a link to episode 185, which was with Rose Cora Perry. She is a Canadian singer, songwriter, and guitar player. And I know that I know the show gets a lot of listeners from Canada, but I know that she talked about getting grants from the Canadian government. So those of you that are Canadian artists listening may want to go back and listen to the conversation that I had with her. And I'm also going to put a link to episode 336 with Yvetta and Simone, who are based in New Zealand. So some past episodes that you can go back and catch up on that have some sort of connection to this one mm-hmm. with Kelly Sherrod on 449. Meanwhile, we're going to close today with another one of Kelly's original songs from the debut Proteins of Magic album she put out last year, one called Hopeful Symphony. And by the way, this is the song of hers that got over 275,000 views on the official music video. Kelly, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Yeah, so Hopeful Symphony, um, I wrote it on the piano, um, one of those um, ones that came in about 15 minutes. Mm. and um, mm. But in the production of the song, we... We worked on that for a long time just to kind of get the feel just right, um, expansive but not too expansive. Um, and, um, and yeah, um, I, I, like, I like the idea of it being um, this sort of cinematic feel, but it's a, it's a very um, personal, personal song. What can you tell us about the video? My gosh, the success that it had, but also just what went into the making of that video. Um, that's just me and my my phone. Wow. <laughs> my phone with a cracked screen. Wow. Um, $100 phone. Um, and um, me just uh, dancing. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of... Uh, that was kind of it, really. But I, yeah, I don't know if it's um, it's cool how it caught on online and and um, yeah, with, with the the visual of it compared to the sound of it, I think there's this kind of weird dichotomy happening too. And um, yeah. But was that your intention when you set out? This is just going to be all me. I'm going to plan the thing myself. I'm going to shoot it with my phone. I'm not going to bring in any kind of crew. I'm not going to get into a big production because again. It's amazing to hear the success that it had, and here you are saying, "Sorry to burst your bubble, Bruce, but this was just me with my phone." <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, I was kind of just using the the tools that I, I that was all I had. You know, uh, there was no I hadn't applied for any funding for it or anything, um, but I wanted to do what I could to give some kind of justice to the the song. And, um, you know, I, I think I did have the thought that, yeah, I was just wanted it to be me in it. Although, as you can see, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hidden, um, but, um, or in silhouette. Um, 
but um but yeah this was kind of a visceral approach too i just sort of i definitely follow my my instinct a lot but still though it is amazing because i think a lot of indie artists think it would be great to have a video that really takes off goes viral gets thousands and thousands and thousands of views but immediately they talk themselves out of the possibility of that happening because they equate that with, I probably have to have a big budget right. for the type of production that's going to have that kind of success. And here you are saying, no, that's not the case. Yeah, no, yeah, no, this was a lovely surprise. Well, Kelly, it was great to have you on the show. Congratulations. Never mind the new album last year, but everything that you're doing right now, my gosh, the tour that you're supporting and the tour that you're about to start and the new release that you're working on for next year. I really am glad that we got to have you on the show, and I wish you all the best with everything that you're doing. Thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to multi-instrumentalist Kelly Sherrod. Do visit her website at proteinsofmagic.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on her site... Look for the logos for Facebook and Instagram so you can follow her on both of those. I did that this morning, and I know she would appreciate you doing the same. Remember also to navigate into the video section of proteinsofmagic.com so you can then link over to her YouTube channel and subscribe there, not to mention watch and like the videos she has posted. Of course, you're going to want to go watch the video for Hopeful Symphony, which I'm just about to play since she just talked about it and it had so much success as you heard her say. For that matter, tell Kelly that you heard her and her music and now hear this entertainment. Do go ahead and give her a follow on Spotify as well, but please support her by purchasing downloads of Proteins of Magic Music from Apple Music and other online digital retailers. I would be most grateful if you would also punch up my show website, nhte.net. Not only can you listen to the show there or find links to other platforms to hear it on or find my social media links, but there is a box to put your email address in to get the weekly e-newsletter that I send each Wednesday. Do that so you get information about the latest podcast episode as well as other goings-on and even some exclusives from time to time. And trust me when I say that I will only send to you once a week. That's going to do it for episode 449. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another Proteins of Magic song. This is the one Kelly just talked about. It's called Hopeful Symphony. 